Hello and welcome to the new Superhero Finder podcast from IDIFM. I'm Matt and I'm going to be scouring the cosmos looking for unsung heroes, the superheroes of real life spreading some amazing positivity and listening to some fascinating, incredible stories. So sit comfortably, get yourself a brew and enjoy. Hi and welcome to another IDFM Ask the Expert podcast slash video slash. I always do a different intro, so this is just me being normal and being me. So I have the lovely experience, and thank you very much for your time, of Beth Conan today. Um, how are you, Beth? You good? I'm doing well. How about you? I am absolutely good, thank you. It's snowing outside, so it's been a bit of a, a changing day, but... Yeah. <laughs> what's it like up where you are? Pee and rain. Rain. That's not surprising. I mean, that is surprising for Scotland, isn't it? Oh, four seasons in one day. It'll be cool by tonight. Glorious sunshine tomorrow morning. I know. What's it like? Uh, um, so, Beth, I know we have spoken and I know there is some things that you kind of, the idea of this platform is to get some ideas out there. And I really want to find some people that have some really interesting opinions um, mm-hmm. and experiences um, that you've been through. So it'd be great to get into that. But do you want to start by just giving us a little introduction into who is Beth? Of course. Uh, so welcome, I'm Beth. Um, so I've been a PT uh, for coming on three years now. Um, recently, strength and conditioning coach, but my actual specialism is in women's health. Um, it kind of happened very organically. Uh, my predominantly my client base is women in their twenties, kind of mid thirties, mm. and there were a few conversations of oh, we're buying a house, how many bedrooms do we need? And oh, getting close that time for kids. And it dawned on me, I had no idea how to train a woman through pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So off I went and got qualified as a pre and postnatal coach. And it just unearthed this gender bias in life, in fitness. Okay. And it's something... I now kind of talk about as much as I can, particularly with the situation in the world over the last kind of 10 months, this gender bias has been exacerbated and women right now are really in such a disadvantaged place. So I guess right now I'm a bit of a kind of women's health advocate trying to push for changes, both at a kind of local level mm-hmm. again I've been kind of pestering my MPs and my MSPs recently around kind of like the tier system we have up here in Scotland about how it's not fit for purpose how it is disadvantaging women and like it's one of those kind of uphill battles that right now seems like a mountain but we're getting there we're getting there so good <laughs> yeah any fine. progress is good progress exactly exactly so just looking at the sun so in terms of the bias then obviously it's something that you're really passionate about because yeah in contact with mps and etc but what is it that from experience you have seen so what does this bias manifest as that you have seen firsthand well i think one of the biggest things you know we look at when we think about women's health your kind of first instinct is reproductive health mm-hmm. and that's not one in the same you know 
reproductive health is not the be all and end all. Women are physiologically different creatures, but we're not unicorns. You know, we make up 51% of the global population. Yeah. And yet, particularly in a fitness sense, gym kit is not designed to the height of women. You know, if you look at a lap pull down and you've got a five foot two, five foot three woman, I mean, personally, I'm five foot three and it's still a stretch. You get into, you know, your incline leg press. Suddenly it's there's readjustments to be made. So it fits your body. Mm-hmm. And then you look at, again, one of our biggest things that I actually noticed post lockdown when we got back into the gym, our female membership had dropped. So our gender split back in January was 56% male, 44% female. When we came back in so it was November, when we actually kind of double checked it, that it was uh, 59% male to 41% female. And obviously with a kind of lack of group classes, women were less likely to come to the gym. And that kind of put me into what else is there? Because it's not just that women can't get to the class. It's not just that male, they're now male dominated spaces. There has to be something else going on. And from there, that kind of ignited, I say the passion, the realization that women are disproportionately affected by COVID. We're more likely to work part-time jobs. So we're more affected by furlough. Um, One of the big ones recently, there was a court case um, that women who have been on maternity leave are getting furlough on their maternity wage, not their full-time wage. So the system doesn't work. There's been no feedback. There's been no changes based on this is not fit for purpose. And women are being disadvantaged by that. And it's very clear to see that, you know, 80% of global personal training clients are women. But are they comfortable in gyms? And again, not simply because it could be a male dominated space, Mm -hmm. although that does play an issue in anecdotal senses but there is this we're contorting ourselves into kit that isn't made for us we're actually 60 percent uh so we we do on average 60 percent more unpaid labor than men so domestic chores caring right now again like online schooling caring for elderly relatives so do you go to the gym where you may pick up something you don't want and take it home when you're caring for your kids caring for your elderly mother or do you stay home and work out at home because you can't take that risk so is gyms have become male dominated spaces not simply because more men are going to the gym but because less women are willing or ready to take the risk of who knows what i'm going to bring home and are we talking in a, in a particular COVID sense in that, or is it yeah. this is before yeah. and mm-hmm. will continue after? It is, yeah. I mean, there's always been, you know, personally, I've never seen a gym that is equal mm-hmm. in terms of memberships. And they have always been male-dominated spaces. And I do have a kind of anecdotal theory that 
when women make the decision to get fit mm-hmm. or to lose weight again we're socially conditioned for that you know nice toned arms you know the slim waist the flat tummy we're socially conditioned that oh well I'll go for a run or I'll try out this class I'll maybe do yoga I'll do some bar or I'll I'll join the gym but I'll only do classes whereas when men make that change it's oh I'll go into the gym and I'll lift weights and there is this kind of underlying nuance that when men get fit they go and lift weights when women get fit we run for hours on end and we sit on resistance machines when the physiological differences between men and women don't change the way that we train we don't have to train any differently but an understanding of the female body is very important Mm -hmm. when you get into kind of PT clients and coaching but that first decision often women are more likely to attend classes to you know walk a little bit more to look at their diet it's this difference that keeps women out of gyms in the first place that makes them male dominated which now has become a bigger problem where do you think that comes from then is that something that's manifested over the years in terms of how fitness has been portrayed i believe so bodybuilding yeah Mm -hmm. you know we think arnold schwarzenegger now i because i'm in the fitness arena and just like you but social media plays a big part so for me, I see actually on my feed more women in gyms and bodybuilding and, and in that kind of arena mm-hmm. than I actually do men. Now, I'm not saying that's indicative of the world because that's just based on what I've liked and what yeah. I've interacted with. Um, so where do you think, so your your sense and your view on that, now obviously you've mentioned some statistics and it'd be great to see if you've got any references and stuff. I'm sure there'll be people watching that actually want to see some of the bits where it's come from from a point of interest um yeah where do you think it stems from apart from we've said the machines so the machines mm-hmm. i agree there's not yeah. you know i'm very tall yeah so some machines i struggle with because i'm at the very end of the other yeah. side mm-hmm. um yeah i think a lot of it comes down to what has changed in recent years but you know I'm 27. If I go back to when I was kind of 14, 15 years old, it was all about the, here's how you eat less. Here's how you slim down. Here's how you tone up. It was the language around kind of women's magazines are a plethora. And it's quite shocking actually to go back and read it. But again, understanding that it is the social conditioning of gyms are for men mm-hmm. and it is changing mm-hmm. again a lot of what I actually see in the gym now is kind of girls in their late teens early 20s who are quite confident striding about free weights going I want that squat rack when are you done whereas particularly my kind of age and older there does seem to be that okay, I'll go in, I'll go stand, I'll walk on a treadmill for a little bit and I'll see if something becomes available. And if it doesn't, I can, I can almost hide in that corner with my dumbbells and my kettlebell and do what I need to do. And it, I do believe there is that kind of, almost comes down to that women should make themselves smaller 
and okay. take up less space. This, again, we live in a world designed for men, which is not a slight on men, but women haven't had a seat at the table for long enough to make important changes. Like one of my favorite things to talk about is the female crash test dummy. Um, women are more likely to be critically injured or die in car accidents right, okay. uh, because all crash test dummies are made to male height and weight and when we realised that we needed to check on women they put a pair of tits on her right. so it's not with boobs and that kind of again that social conditioning men have always been at the table They've been there for thousands of years. Women are only recently coming into the game. So to make those changes, to make the world suitable for women, I suppose, it's going to take time. But we're still combating this kind of social change of women are not small men. We are our own creatures. We are our own human bodies. And things need to change. It's, you know small things like we have a different pelvis shape so we can give birth having a different pelvis shape means we're more likely to have knee injuries particularly at acl all that happens again hormones i could talk for hours on menstrual cycles and how it affects training how it affects women it's all this is going on in the background and it's not talked about enough and it's not understood enough mm -hmm that we can actually make changes so what do you think the um, the next step could be or what what would you like to see happen that would help aid some of this so there's this there's this sense that everything's happening like you said in the background so yeah all this is happening it has been happening mm -hmm. and what we're going to get is because i think you're right and i i see it when i'm in the gym is there's a younger almost a gym shark generation yeah which yeah. you know everything's become a lot more popular and fabletics and other brands are available yeah. but all these things all this gym wear that is coming out as well as we get other social influences that are women and there's a lot more looking at, at bringing that bias changing that bias almost yeah as we get that then there are going to be implications all these things that you're saying are going to become they're going to come to the forefront sooner rather than later yeah because there are going to be either different modifications needed whether it's on machines like you yeah. say whether it's you know whether it's manufacturers making a, a slightly different handle you know mm -hmm. or a different shape or a different depth yeah. mm -hmm. and things like that so what do you think would be something that's that would be the most obvious I think to, to change there almost needs to be more conversation okay. we need to talk more about things that affect women and again not predominantly about women only but looking a little bit more at what is designed for men again in a fitness space in the world what is it that women find doesn't work for them and let's talk about it let's educate ourselves and let's actually start making some noise over this is not okay Again, I think when it comes to healthcare in particular, another one of my favourite things to talk about, um, it wasn't until the mid-90s 
that women were legally required to be part of drug tests. Until then, we were excluded because we might have a baby and it might affect our fertility. And the same thing's kind of happening right now. You know, between, it was 2001, 2010, there were 304 studies done into treatment and prevention of breast and skin cancer. They effectively, um, sorry, they predominantly affect women, do affect men. I'm not going to, you know, downplay the causes of that. But in those studies, they were 80% men, sorry, 60% men and 80% white. So we're looking there, there's a gender bias, there's a racial bias. Again, there were studies done on obesity and the effect it has on uterine and breast cancer. No women were studied. So we're already on the back foot of, we don't know how things affect women, their health, again, physical or mental. And then we're putting women into this world designed for men. And you're asking them to contort themselves. And if we can have those conversations of this does not work, how can we make changes? And again, it may be on a small level. Again, I've done some social activism within my own gym and if we can have those conversations and keep talking about it Mm -hmm. we can make change further down the line we can look at okay how is this manufactured who do we need to talk to to change that Mm -hmm. where are the changes that need to be made and again talking to women having them included in these conversations is probably the most important thing Hmm. And I, I, I can absolutely say that. I want to just ask a question. And, and the reason why I'm asking this question isn't to take anything away from Not the bias. In terms of so an arena that I've been in for a while, mm-hmm. so that I've experienced of, because your knowledge of all this is, is huge and I wouldn't, I wouldn't try and pretend to be an expert or even read up or educated in any of this. But in terms of, so we'll take, so you said a lap pull down, for example. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the, would the problems or the potential workarounds that a woman would have to do, I'm guessing based on average height of, an, yeah. of a woman, yeah, so we're looking maybe mid five foot, something like that. Mm-hmm. Would them same issues be felt by a guy that was mid five foot? Or are we saying that necessarily some of the, some of the machines are physiologically because a woman is different? Or are we talking a height thing that has a disadvantage? Like I said, some machines are difficult for me being six foot four yeah. with long legs. You know, what, yeah. what, where does it lie? Is it something that if the, some of the machines were to change and adapt, actually, it would benefit not only women, but yeah. also other people that are at the, the other end of the spectrum? Absolutely would. Yeah. Again, I probably should have opened with this. Um, again, a lot of what I've seen is generalised mm-hmm. and kind of very stereotypical of men and women and the kind of averages that we get and a lot of the data that's out there is you know we can base it on fact but a lot of it comes down to the respondents and how they their own biases I think one of the best things I've ever kind of heard in my life um was a study done on uh, menopause and there were two studies done around the same time one in Canada and one in the Middle East. The Middle Eastern 
no, my apologies. Uh, the Canadian study uh, was by three men. The Middle Eastern study was three men and a woman. The Canadian study said that women go through menopause. We have our hormonal changes mm -hmm. because we're no longer interested in sex because men don't find us attractive at that age. Right. Study in the Middle East um, actually said the, it's the grandmother effect that we go through menopause and we kind of, because we are preparing to take care of our grandkids. Right. Okay. Both of these studies were done in the late 80s, I want to say. Please don't fact check me on that because I've forgotten. <laughs> the actual data. Um, but these are very recent studies mm. that there is this kind of complete misunderstanding, complete bias that, again, we're talking about men and women, but the inclusion of one woman completely changed the results there. Mm. And again, to kind of better answer your question, when we look at averages, women on average are shorter mm -hmm. but again you know i've met men who are shorter than me makes mm -hmm. me feel great um and i've met women who are gorgeously long-legged and tall it's you know when we talk about the averages and when i talk about women i do very much kind of rely on that again the average height of women is five foot five average height of a man is five foot nine yeah and again Four inches doesn't make a massive difference. But when you are constantly working around, again, your different lever lengths, how, you know, how tall are you in comparison to, that's when it all starts to fall into place. Again, mobile phones probably won't get much bigger because they are inherently or nuanced designed for male hands. They are that kind of like wide and big because yeah. a man's hand can hold it quite comfortably whereas the rest of us if we look at a phone i think there's there's probably a reason on the other side why there's the they tend to have three different yeah. sizes if you look at an apple yeah we'll mm -hmm. have and i've always gone for the bigger one because i've got quite big hands so i mean yeah. i suppose it's nice in that way to to see mm -hmm. that isn't it to see there are options and there are yeah. this is becoming apparent i think in some, mm -hmm. some yeah way. it's i mean these kind of small I almost don't want to call them sexist because I don't believe that they are sexist. It is this women almost haven't had a seat at the table until recently. So changes are being made, but this kind of nuanced designed for men, it exists in everything that happens. You know, it's, we have to kind of look at in our day-to-day -day life, what is designed for people and what has been designed around the average man and again we look at things like how tall do you have to be for this or how small do you have to be for this and you can see that gender bias looking at those again studies when you look at like jobs in particular is one that is quite contentious but when you're looking at, particularly right now, the NHS, 77% of frontline workers are women. Mm. And I don't want to draw a parallel, but you know, we're all out on our front steps on a Thursday night applauding the NHS. Why not give them more money? 
Oh, I mean, I couldn't, it's... I couldn't, I couldn't disagree with that. I think, and that's the voice mm. that I think we've heard, and I've definitely seen from yeah. people that work in the frontline services. My mum's a nurse, so yeah. you know, and, and I, have, I do have a lot of clients. So I, similar to you, work with naturally. I don't aim to, but I work with a lot of women, um, yeah. and I see some of these, some of these things, and and perhaps it's maybe not been presented as much as a, a bias. It's always been well, there's a workaround for that, you know. Yeah. Um, one of the one of the bigger ones for me and, and I know I keep circling back to machines but it's just because of the examples there is the the hip abduction now yeah. not, not not necessarily a machine that I'd ever heard of until I found one mm-hmm. um and it tends to be included in every single glute peachy bum yeah you want to find um but if I try and use that and actually some of my shorter clients try to use that you actually have to stick maybe a boxing glove or maybe a pad or something in there yeah. for, it to be able to, for it to be able to work. So I think, I think for me, if, if something has been based size-wise, so if we took something, for example, plucking something out of the air, if we said a sofa, right, okay, so we're going to design a sofa, so we're going to design to fit three adult males on there, mm-hmm. I'm not sure there'd be any benefit to necessarily going, well, let's look at the average family and say we need to fit three men and a woman because... Mm-hmm. You're looking at the bigger. You're looking at the bigger end. So, yeah. what maximum space do we need? And then we can we can use beyond that. But I definitely think there's there's a really really valuable point there about mm-hmm. when things have been, or if things. It's really interesting to find out this when things have been designed, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to. I can never think of the word now, but the way something fits in your hand, like you said, the yeah. phone. Um, mm-hmm. And the one thing where things are designed at that, I think, yeah, if you're going to go for an average, if you're going to base it on an average that is man size, essentially, mm-hmm. um, then that is going to affect 50% of its users. Because as yeah. we say, there's, there's 50% of the earth, almost, mm-hmm. give and take. Yeah. Um, it's failing now. I just wanted to just pick up on something you said earlier about the memberships. So membership yeah. gyms. So the, there was that distinct difference. And, and when gyms mm-hmm. reopened and there was less women coming back and yeah. classes, what is it do you think that gyms could do to make, so are we talking making them more women friendly or is it less intimidating? Because I've seen gyms change over the last couple of years to more less aggressive bodybuilding, that kind of, yeah. kind of feel of spit and sawdust. Now, I'm not saying that there can't be gyms that aim at that and people can have their own yeah. niche and people can advertise to whoever they want. But if we're talking, so a chain gym, so we're talking something like JD or, well, Exercise for Less and before yeah. they were closed, what mm-hmm. is it that, are they doing something wrong or is there more that they could do to make it inclusive, make it approachable to everyone? Men and women mm-hmm. alike. Yeah, I do. I mean, honestly, I, I don't know the answer. And I think a lot of it comes down to talk to your female members. Why do they want to be there? What is it that's drawn them to this gym? Because I remember reading, this was about two years ago now, Mm -hmm. you know, people choose a gym based on price and proximity. Mm -hmm. So is it close to home? Is it close to work? How much is it going to cost me? Those are the kind of biggest drivers of why am I picking this gym? But we can also look at, do you have an enclosed free weight room? Can we get rid of that? Mm. Because what was traditionally called the women's only area? 
yes uh-huh yeah. this kind of female friendly space yeah get rid of them they shouldn't exist because the gym is for everybody you know healthcare is for everyone it is not one size fits all but it is for everyone so talk to your members talk to the people who are there and ask does it work do you enjoy this layout is this working for you is there something else that you need again a gym i was in had um again this was a couple months ago so post post covid Mm -hmm. um they had put two racks of one to ten kilo dumbbells there was kettlebells up to about 14 kilograms fixed barbells a couple of benches and then a ski erga rower and uh an assault bike Mm -hmm. And it just very nuanced was, women in here, please, you don't need to be out there. And it was this kind of, you're telling women, or sorry, you're telling people that if you need anything, or if you need anything less than 10 kilograms in this room here, please, you can come out, you can get what you need, but back in you go. And it creates this divide between weak and strong which inherently does create that male-female break. And again, by kind of making it in an enclosed space, there does become that it's comfortable in here. Nobody's going to see me. So I don't really need to worry about what's going on. This is a safe space. Mm-hmm. Whereas the whole gym should be a safe space. The entire gym should be somewhere people feel comfortable. And again, like I say, I talk about women, but what about the young lad who's just started up his gym membership, doesn't know what he's doing, has come by himself or with a pal for the first time. You're almost cutting him off from, oh, I could be like that. I could be as strong as him, her, them. You're cutting them off by shepherding them into a room. They don't get to see what could be whereas a more kind of open plan I suppose is where I'm going so that you are able to see what's going on Mm. would be beneficial see it's interesting because from what I understand the reason them places them separate areas came in was to make people that were less confident and I suppose intimidated by what used to be the gym saying yeah make it a slightly more friendlier place so as we see so I suppose as we see gyms changing and becoming a lot more and I think they have a lot more unisex I think I think unisex would be quite a good word to to sum it up because there are you know you do get classes um and I do see whenever I've been to gyms with classes on it did tend to be what I saw a higher ratio of women to men in there Mm -hmm. but advertising wise I don't think I remember seeing anything. Now, I used to work at Virgin Active. So mm-hmm. I don't remember seeing anything on the advertisements, on the posters that would have said, well, this is a woman's only class or this is a guy's mm-hmm. class or this is aimed at anyone in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, apart from interestingly, when you see a lot of the a lot of the Les Mills type stuff that I saw was a lot of very strong, there was a lot of strong, powerful female imagery associated yeah. with it, which I think is is amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wonder. I wonder whether that, I wonder whether we almost get to a point where we try and go the other way that actually we, what we end up doing is we end up creating an un, 
an unintended segregation. Mm-hmm. Like you're saying, by having these places that are one gender only. Well, I don't think they're assigned <laughs> one gender only. No. Uh-huh. Used to be. I know they used to be. Yeah. They used to be oh, yeah. Area, and I know mm-hmm. local to me, there's a women's only gym. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and interestingly enough, you don't see men only. There's nothing. I've never seen anyone no. signed men only gym, which is no. You know. Uh huh. Is I, I do almost wonder. And again, this is me just kind of spitballing almost. Mm. I do almost wonder if if we're kind of going back to the way the industry used to be, and you're kind of imagery of a gym again that kind of bodybuilding the grunting the heavy lifting I almost wonder if that's the reason we have so many female only gyms it was like well we don't need to be around that which can sound intimidating I mean personally I've been in the gym you know some large man is grunting away in the background and I do get that kind of like god like i'm here too can i run away (laughs) and you know i've been i've been weightlifting for five years now you know i'm i know what i'm doing i feel very confident in these spaces but there is that i i wonder if there is this the female only gym was an answer to a problem that now doesn't exist in the same way Mm now that we have and i think social media does have a lot to say for this now that we can promote again strong women as well as strong men you know we know the name like crossfit athletes strong women they're more household names now mm-hmm. you know when we look at things like arnold schwarzenegger when we look at eddie hall we can also look at some strong names in in female fitness and these are things that although they are coming around it's taking time Mm. and again we can look at I think one this is only on my mind because I've been reading her book um but Megan Rapinoe who is a US women's soccer team uh player uh she her book is all about kind of her journey her life um, the the actual numbers completely escaped me, obviously, uh, now that I'm on the spot. <laughs> but again, the FIFA Women's World Cup is a far, mm, far more incentivized game because they're, you know, they have to fight for the publicity. They have to fight for to be shown on national TV. That is not a massive disparity in viewers if I remember rightly I believe it's around the kind of globally I believe it's around the kind of four million disparity um for the men's game to the women but the I want to say that the so the 2019 FIFA World Cup Women's World Cup which was won by America their take-home pay from that was I want to say a good kind of like 80 million less than the men's mm-hmm. 80,000 I would fact check that mm-hmm. um but there there's such a massive disparity in the way female athletes professional female athletes are paid and represented so social media has become the 
well, we can promote ourselves here. Yeah. We can promote our game here. I mean, quite luckily, I was actually in America when the 2019 FIFA World Women's yeah. World Cup was on. It was insane. Mm. It was amazing. Like, to see, I mean, my family watching the game, you know, sat in a bar one night and watched a game those days. Again, I think if you were in the UK, you probably wouldn't have known it was going on unless you followed women's yeah. It's definitely... Whereas, so I know we hear more about the Lionesses. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I certainly follow a few on, on social media. Yeah. Um, and I know in terms of in terms of the world span of the different teams that play and where it's set up and where there's federations for it, etc. Um, I know it's... Well, I say no. I believe there's less uh, countries involved in the Women's World Cup than there yeah. is the Men's World Cup. Yeah. I mean, there's been conversations over the years about why don't we have a genderless team, i.e. men and women play together. But I think that's opening up a whole new kind of worms. But if we look at the, yeah. the sports and how they're supported and the pay, like you said, the take-home pay, I'm sure yeah. there'll be arguments in terms of ad revenue, in terms of ticket sales, in terms yeah. of all that. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean to say that we can't work to close that. Because yeah. if you've got the same amount of viewers, if you've got, you know, and, and whatever that is, and it's a really interesting point. And I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. Wow, for you being in America when that's on, because I know what America's like. When they're proud of something, they do sport. Yeah. Uh-huh. It is everywhere. Yeah. Uh, and it's well, really- it was, I mean, one of the kind of points that was actually raised in the book, um, so the US women's national team, mm-hmm. they have been, they have qualified for every Women's World Cup. Yeah. And they won it, so 2019-2015, I want to say before, this is, I mean, football is not my sport by any manner. You do uh, I'm, a kind of <laughs> uh, I'm like, oh my God, when was one before that? <laughs> um, I guess there was a big win in the 90s. Um, the men's team hasn't qualified in years. And yet the men's team, they, as I feel for a loss, so if the men's team lose a mm. national game, mm-hmm. they are paid more than the women's team are for winning. Mm. And you look at that again, it's very much a US debate mm-hmm. and they have their own issues with gender equality and equal pay. So, oh, if, we're talk- if we're talking the US football team, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Soccer yeah. Team, sorry, we can't call it football, can we? Oh yeah, soccer. What, soccer. Yeah. <laughs> um- <laughs> it's this kind of I mean even in the UK when we look at you know the Six Nations when are the women's teams games scheduled Mm. nine times out of ten they're slightly later in the evening they're not shown to the same audience that male rugby is you know you've kind of got to go and find it on red button the other channel type thing they don't get the same coverage so there isn't that kind of role model for young girls coming through to be like, you know what, I want to play rugby or I want to play football. And you've kind of got to wait for that to be the norm. Hmm. That there is no difference between the men's game and the women's game other than the gender. Other than gender, it's the same game. It's exactly yeah. the same game, isn't it? And I think from what I can see and from what I hope as well, I think, because TV scheduling has always mm-hmm. been a thing and it's been run by an organisation, so someone like the BBC, and they will have their own values, whether they're right or wrong is, is beside that. So, but they decide 
what they yeah. press out there and what they make the focal point of their scheduling. Yeah. Whereas what we've got now is because everything that we do on our phone, our computer, mm-hmm. is based on what we want to see. Yeah. If we're having more of these conversations and places like TikTok are amazing because you've got all these female footballers doing trick shots and that, and it's yeah. amazing to watch just as much as I would enjoy watching a woman do it just as much as I would a man because yeah. it's the skill itself. Yeah. And you've got that, it's more obvious that it's happening now. So you're taking away that actually what I see is controlled by a corporation. Yeah. Now yeah. what I see is based on now arguably an algorithm, someone like TikTok yeah. or will control mm-hmm. that, but it's designed to be what we want to see. So if I type, I know for a doubt, for, without a doubt, as soon as I go on my phone after this, I'm going to see things about women's football. Oh God, yeah. Because we're in a position <laughs> where everything listens to what we say, and you know, yeah. that, again, that's another kind of worms to open. But I think there is a there is going to be a real change very quickly in terms mm-hmm. of the conversations. Like you said, one of the most important things is talking about it and, and making more aware of it. Whether that will massively increase i think that'll have a knock-on effect in terms of the popularity of things you know the scheduling the the pay um and hopefully we'll see more towards that i think what i would what i would like to know from your point of view and i know i've asked a couple of times and i know you said you weren't sure what the answer was but from someone that's from someone that works with so many women and that has looked up at so many different things apart from speaking about it more really what what are the things we as individuals what are the things we can do to start equaling this balance because it's okay mm-hmm. us emailing mps it's okay us yeah. doing the bigger things mm-hmm. but what what can we do or is there anything that we can do as a society in general as individuals yeah. as communities is there anything we can do in your mind that would start to remedy this you know so we can take control of this we can start yeah I think on a personal level um pretty I think women because of the disparity in healthcare Hmm. I would say my biggest thing for women is know what your normal is and if you have issues or if you have an illness Mm -hmm track your symptoms if something is not right for you day to day write it down start to figure out what's normal for you because if we can blanket statement it women are not understood we're misrepresented and misunderstood so on a personal level we need to know what's right for us so that we can advocate for ourselves for men particularly I would say male coaches, speak to your female clients, go and learn a little bit more about female bodies, menstrual cycles, hormones, and ask, ask questions. And if that's looking like there is something missing in your knowledge, go and fill that gap and kind of look at where are you seeing these benefits of your gender Mm -hmm. and kind of raising awareness because right now I do feel that a lot of this is kind of written off because people don't see it Mm. or people aren't aware of it and if we can start to highlight these and again through conversations but make your voice heard 
if there's something that is not working for you or if you see a woman struggling with something be aware of it and just understand that there are these gender biases in day-to-day life and again many women are more than capable of dealing with them but we shouldn't have to you know I think one uh, one that just popped into my head there how many pockets have you guys got in clothes and we are being like, I mean I wear shorts so I've got two yes. <laughs> yeah again we it was something I, I saw on TikTok um again poor girls with all the hands and things slotted into different fingers because yeah we're so used to not having pockets mm. things like that it's but I would on 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 just an interesting counter to that mm-hmm. if I was to wear something so if I was to wear not that I own leggings as such yep but they also don't have pockets yeah so uh-huh. ones, so ones that I would wear so I think I think not that necessarily we need to be careful because there's a message to go out there but I think yeah. certain things that Mm-hmm. absolutely should have more pockets now actually just going with the scottish roots there i've worn a yeah. sporran and a kilt a full kilt three or four yeah. times nice foreign i.e a man's handbag on a kilt <laughs> yeah is essentially uh-huh. it's a useful space is amazing yeah. so yeah. i might just go and buy a handbag and walk outside not, not for the point yeah. of you know maybe me being a man but actually having yeah. that space is really really nice to have yeah. um really interesting point where you said on a coach's point of view because as a coach as a someone in the fitness arena as someone that helps women and men, there are going to be differences and yeah. there are ways out there for you to be able to expand your knowledge. Mm-hmm. Now, there is an argument within me to say that actually, let's flip this around a little bit and say, mm-hmm. if you're working with a coach who mm-hmm. doesn't understand, then it's important to understand that there are differences. You are going to have to do things differently. And mm-hmm. if you don't feel the support is there, mm-hmm. then let's try and have the confidence yeah. to either ask for it mm-hmm. or find another coach that does. Because yeah. by and in large, coaches are self-employed. It's their own business yeah. and they will niche in whatever. We, you can't be trained in everything. Oh, God, no. no, no. So I'm going through my pre and postnatal at the moment. Yeah. So, And I know there are certain things. And it, I see all the warning stuff on the course and it scares me. It scares me. It's all the things that should stop counterindications to training and things like that. And I'm like, Okay, we'll work through that, but that's that's the excitement of learning. But there won't always be people. So I'm a big believer in control and being in control is the best place that you can be. It's the most powerful place you can be. And it's where you can get the most, not necessarily justice from the world, but the most value from the world. Okay. And and I, I would add to what you've just said there. So you've said a great message to coaches. Absolutely. There are online pre and postnatal. If you're sat at home because you're not able to work in the gym at the minute and you're interested in it, go and find an online and actually, I will stick one in the in the link below as well because I've yeah. got a friend that owns a company that does it, which is great, which is fantastic. Yeah. But from a personal level as well, let's start those conversations. Let's tell people that things are working. So if you're a shorter than average man, if you're a woman and you struggle with the machines in the gym, if you struggle with other stuff, let's start that conversation to say, right, well, how can we fix that then? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It is, it's one of those... It, there is almost that kind of we need to meet in the middle women need to speak up and say this does not work for me or this is difficult for me to do 
again one of one of my clients we were kind of talking about it the other week and it dawned on her if it gets to kind of half past four or five o'clock her day's done if she's not got her steps done she's not going out right and it's because it's getting dark or rather she doesn't want to be out when it's dark yeah and that's a kind of again a very inherently female trait is i'll wait till it's a little bit lighter or it's getting a bit dark i probably won't go now or and again you know when we talk about kind of domestic violence sexual assault you know we know that we could probably go for a walk and it'll all be fine do we want to take the risk not really and you're kind of cutting women off at the knees whereas we need to be able to speak up and say I'm not comfortable doing that Mm -hmm. and I think there is that kind of meet in the middle of particularly I mean from coaches each gender male and female you know whatever you identify as if you are a coach if you're working with people Mm. understand your client's boundaries understand where they're coming from have those open conversations build that trust build that rapport and let them know that they can come to you with anything yeah because there will be things that they're not comfortable with or they're not confident doing or Mm. they just downright don't want to do (laughs) is it our job to force them no it's our job to encourage them and is it uh is it something that we can work on or is it something that we go okay no we don't do that i think what you've just described there is what i would my my impression of some of the best traits that a coach could have or someone that's working in, in in that arena and there are many that don't have that ability because I think that takes an extra ability of that person to be able to create an environment that feels safe, to create an environment that there is that open line of communication where both of you feel comfortable enough to open conversations. Mm-hmm. I've got some great friends and I'll friends for life from just working in a personal training. Yeah. Someone. And, it, and it can happen. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Because that person, a trainer or a coach, is only after improving yeah giving somebody a good experience of something i wouldn't mm-hmm. like to think they probably are but i wouldn't like to think there's anyone that's just there for the money oh I, I, mainly I, obvious and i would just move on from that person yeah I, mm-hmm. that would be my advice but again yeah. everyone's different mm-hmm. but i definitely i definitely think it's let's take control as well so let's ask not necessarily ask for this to be solved because we know mm-hmm. it's we know it's a problem mm-hmm the the one the one thing that i'm unsure of how we move forward from is i know some people that listen to this i know so a friend of mine owns a gym i used to pt from that gym it's a small gym and it used to be a bodybuilding style gym so there was very much probably a 70 30 mile split and i don't know yep. the facts, but let's just say every time it went in, that's how it felt there was a cardio room upstairs mm-hmm. which didn't say female only but yeah. tended to be a lot more women than men and there was the weight session, weight section downstairs. And I know he's made a lot of changes to be able to, and his membership base has changed to a point where actually yep. age as well. So there's a lot more older clients coming in, mm-hmm. a lot more older members and younger members. So I think he's making yep. the necessary changes. And it was, like you said, it was about opening that up. So rather than having a studio where there was mirrors and people would maybe come in for posing practice or they just want yep. a bit of privacy, 
it was about opening that space up and and not having sections. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I think there'll be some people that are creating these female spaces because some of their members may have asked for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so and I think it's a very personal thing, not not in terms of when you're talking about the chains, because the chains are all decided, the big box yes. gyms are all yes. decided from head office and yeah, they look like what they look like. Um, but I think there's definitely a point here for some of the more niche local gyms, the ones that tend mm-hmm. to charge a little bit more for membership, to really, really steam ahead. Yeah. And book a trend and go, look, we are listening. This is a place that's for everybody, for all yeah. ages. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah. and both sexes really yeah of course I think I mean one of the best things I mean there was a uh, kind of smaller gym I was in a while back now so it may have all changed um but they had um so they their prone hamstring curl where your head was backed onto a squat rack I'm like, regardless of gender, who wants their face looking at someone's arse? Backside, yeah. <laughs> really? Do we? That's where we're going? And I think if you can start there, you know, have a wander around your small gym and go, where is everyone's heads? What are we looking at? Can we, again, position kit so that you do get that element of privacy, but it's an open space. You know, are you kind of, or have you got like two heads looking at one another? Could feel a little bit awkward. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you and your pal are training, fine, that'll be nice. But if it's you and someone you don't know, looking to suddenly be staring yeah. at them, mm. it's, and again, female to female, male to male, male to female, doesn't matter. It could be intimidating. And I think that's where we need to go. We need to kind of be aware of a gender bias and look for how do we make these gender neutral spaces? How do we make them inclusive so that everyone does actually feel welcome? That we can say, we are doing everything we can. Again, even something as simple as any smaller gym, a suggestion box Mm -hmm. or email addresses readily available, ask for feedback. You know, that's as coaches, that's what we do. You know, mm. how is it working? What can I do better? What do you want? What do you need? If you need anything, you know what I am. Here's my open line of communication. Let me know. And I think it's something when you get into that, I don't want to kind of generalize, but maybe when you've spent money, investments, you've built something you're proud of do you want to open up for criticism probably not but that's the time that you should Mm. that's when you should be saying here's my shiny new thing look at what i did what do you think how can i make it better what is it missing i think that's a lesson in business overall isn't it anywhere where you've got customers paying for a service Mm -hmm. the customers are probably that, well, they are the ones on the ground that see the things that could be changed or at least give the ideas to be able to go, well, okay, let's yeah. look at doing this slightly differently. Uh-huh. Yeah. It is, I think, be aware of a gender bias, but ask yourself, how do you make your space as comfortable for the bodybuilder who is a week away from competing? 
Mm -hmm. and the newbie who has walked into the gym for the first time Mm. how do you make it comfortable for both of them and I think that's where we kind of need to get to through conversations through feedback through criticisms through what works for everyone yeah Mm -hmm. so almost summing that up then it the answer could well be being aware of it being aware it exists yeah Mm -hmm. conversations about it Mm -hmm. and actually thinking about it um and i suppose that itself will once that awareness is there Mm -hmm. well increases i'm no doubt i'm not saying the the awareness is is nil at the minute i think oh god no 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 it's a big fish to fry you know yes um But absolutely, as we see, you know, more and more, as I said, I'm, I, I love the fact that I see as many men as women, as many women training, yeah. you know, whether it's, whether it's doing it for weight loss, fat loss, exercise, yeah, whether, whatever, whatever it is, it's owning it for me. Yeah. If you, if you can do something and own it, you absolutely, I want to see it, you know, I want, yeah. I want, I want it to come across. So it's just very interesting. And I, and I wondered whether we'd touch on it and we have done, it's very interesting. The female only parts, and we're not going to go on for too much longer because I think we could literally go on all day. Yeah. The, female, <laughs> <I did. laughs> the answer, which was a female part, which made people feel safer because they weren't near the predominantly alpha male yeah. part of what a gym was. Now actually needs to close and mm-hmm. to become more open space, so, so more inclusive. Yeah. Um, which weirdly sets itself a little bit of a paradigm with mobile phones, which started off massive, like yeah. Donald Dolly style, big aerial, <laughs> went tiny, so you could uh-huh. only play snake on it, so then he's going big again. So it's funny yeah. how the generations change things to actually go back to the weren't they might not have been broken in the first place, but maybe we needed to go through this journey to learn. Yeah actually what what we should and shouldn't be doing and what is going to be and 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 i think the overall thing is to make sure it's inclusive to everyone yeah Mm -hmm. is again you know it can all be summed up as it's never going to be one size fits all we need to look at what is the demand Mm. and where do we need to spend time and right now Again, we, we've both seen the changes mm. in the industry and it is heading in a good place. How do we speed that up? And honest answer, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but we can push for those more, in, more inclusive spaces. If you are in the industry, you know, speak up. If you see something that's not inclusive, mm. make it known. If you are constantly working in a gym and you see things that don't fit, make them known and kind of cite that it is making it a segregated space or it's making it unwelcome. Mm. And whether that is, you know, if the female friendly space still exists, again, female friendly says male unfriendly. Yeah it's it goes both ways you know there's no kind of Mm. right and wrong here it is just what works best for the space that you are in and how do you make that more inclusive yeah 
and it's it's that lack of inclusion isn't it it's yeah definitely mm -hmm. it causes it causes segregation it causes a, yeah. mm -hmm. a rift and that's not what we want no not at all because because i know i must see 10 12 now I'm, I'm a fairly big guy but i no matter what strength goals or whatever power goals i'm constantly seeing men and women probably more women nowadays actually that are lifting way more than i ever will and i'm yeah. like wow that is that is amazing you know and it doesn't there's nothing hits me there's nothing thankful that nothing hits me and goes oh i'm less of a man because i think i think we're finally almost past that and i like yeah. that but mm -hmm. now is the next step to just make everything inclusive um mm -hmm. and i really like that and i think this has been one example of a space where raising the awareness mm -hmm. I think really ridiculously cheesily, I'm going to say anyone that listens to this or watches this, if they leave any comments or can message me mm -hmm. or even you, if they want to message yeah. you, how can they get in oh, touch? Oh yeah, get in touch, please. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, Instagram, um, again, all my contact details on there. Uh, so yeah, I'm just at sweat with Beth PT. Fabulous. So that's where the conversations can start. So we could do our own little part mm -hmm. in in making a big change. So then kind yeah. of snowball and affect things. Um, mm -hmm. And I think it's a really important, a really important um, point you've made. So yeah. thank you very, very much for your time. Um, this is on record. This is the longest. This is the longest interview we've had. And I'm, I'm, I'm wondering whether you would have happily filled another two hours, to be honest. But I don't think Probably. that's... <laughs> <laughs> like i say we scratch the surface on healthcare, mm. on menstrual cycles like if anyone wants to talk about their periods with me come on over and i will chat for hours <laughs> if it's okay i'm not going to take up that chat because i'm not an expert that's okay <laughs> right. right well ben, thank you very much for your time and if anyone wants to get in touch i'm going to leave all your handles your instagram stuff and um, down below the video on the podcast description as well um, yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been wonderful. Yeah. See you later. See you soon. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to that just as much as I did interviewing yet another fantastic superhero. I'm so blessed to be able to do what I do. But if you want to follow me even more, check out the other episodes of the podcast. Check out my YouTube videos. And also, you can get me on Instagram at I'm doing it for dot me, which is actually the website address too. So, whatever you're doing today, have a fantastic day and stay super. <laughs>